0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
1: Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. One of the things that uh, we're going to do is get into Corinthians we started a series on Corinthians uh a couple of, about more than a month ago, and we got up to Corinthians 4, and I think they released that on the network this week, but uh I actually came across some old recordings that I made a few years ago on Corinthians, and since Corinthians hasn't changed, I may use those, and so we may jump to Corinthians 10 right now. And in the next following weeks we will put up the other recordings on Corinthians 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And, uh, you'll get announcements if you're on the network. On the network we'll let you know when those come available. And, uh, uh, so eventually, we'll have all of Corinthians with a recording, as well as I'm also doing uh, notes on the side of each page at uh, preparing you, so that you can follow along. And it's really amazing, uh Corinthians. Uh, I think it's uh, I'm not even sure which one I will be in at the time. <laughs> Let's see if I can pull that up. Uh, Corinthians 10. Uh, they begin with uh, not wanting you to be ignorant. And he goes through a little history of Israel and the church in the wilderness and how that relates to the church established by Jesus Christ. And it's really should be eye-opening, the the recording that we do today and uh, the footnotes that I'm going to be putting in on the side so that you could examine some of these things. But the reality is most Christians today are ignorant. They are ignorant. They think they know the history of Israel. They read the Old Testament. They read the King James. Uh, they read, you know, I don't care if they read the NIV or whatever, and because there's enough information in there that you should be putting it together. So that you understand what Moses was really talking about, what Abraham was really doing. Abraham is a little bit more difficult to understand, but if we look at the New Testament, Abraham was living by faith, not by force. The other city-states were using force to govern the people. They were plowing the Adama, same thing that Cain did when he started the first city-state, the first city state the 1st Civil city-state. Civil law is the law that men make for themselves. And Cain established the civil law. God did not not establish the civil law. He allows you to do that, but not without repercussions. It's built into the system that if you go down certain paths, certain things will happen. That's why the Ten Commandments are telling you don't go down those paths. The Ten Commandments are the ten guideposts. They're showing you, if you go this way, you're going to get into trouble. And one of those ways is to covet your neighbor's goods through the power of civil government. In other words, to to make your leaders men who are benefactors but exercise authority. When you look to those leaders to take from your neighbor to provide you with benefits, you're taking a bite out of your neighbor And you will likely be devoured. That's what the Bible tells us in the New Testament. But how many Christians are continuously desiring men who exercise authority to take from their neighbor, to provide them with public education, with uh, free health care, supposedly free health care. It's not really free because somebody's going to have to pay for it. Old age pensions, social security, welfare, all these things are provided by the government. I just saw a report where somebody went to, I think, Baltimore originally and then they went down to L.A. And they picked up tons and tons of garbage. I mean, human waste and rotting food and, and uh, flea ridden mattresses on the streets. Picked it up and disposed of it. And were criticized by the government for doing it. I mean, they wore hazmat suits and precautions and all these kinds of things. The same as anybody else. And they did it very efficiently. Amazing. They did it with volunteers. And, of course, now I'm sure it costs them money to haul tons and tons of garbage away. But they really cleaned the place up. In areas. The reality is the people in Los Angeles could have been doing that all along. And if they don't start doing it, they will start having, you know, all kinds of diseases being spread. They've already, we've already seen it happening. But they were picking up everything from needles to human waste to garbage of all shapes and sizes. And were criticized for doing so by the government. That's why Christians were persecuted. Christians were doing a better job of a daily ministration than the government of Rome. And it made them look bad. Also, many people that had contributed to Rome were now contributing to the church. They, you could You could have any religion you wanted. You could have any welfare system you wanted. You just had to have a welfare system or nobody would take care of you. And you would end up dying on the streets. You'd become the, the homeless in Rome. Which wasn't too bad because of global warming at that time, the Roman temperature was pretty good. You could, it's kind of like Los Angeles, you know, there was a very mild climate. But of course, as global warming happens from time to time, so does global cooling. And eventually it got cooler and crops started failing and there were dearths in the land. In other words, shortages of food. And the Christians were able to help one another out through the daily ministration that they had set up by Christ through the church. The same as there had been a daily ministration by the Levites through the church in the wilderness. Both systems used charity. All systems of the world used force. You don't understand that. You don't understand the gospel. If you don't believe in charity, but rather want to believe in the force of governments that exercise authority one over the other, you do not believe in Jesus Christ. Because he said... You weren't to be that way. You were to be this other way of loving your neighbor as yourself through charity. That is so simple. It's just laid out right in front of you. It is laid out in the Gospels. It is laid out in the Epistles. But modern Christians are ignorant. They do not understand the Gospel. And your preachers are trying to get rich. All of which... Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 10, which we will get into. So anyway, I usually have a little time where I talk about some of the things in the news and I was going to pull up my notes where I usually put all the stuff that's in the news. <laughs> and uh, uh yeah, one of the things that was in the news is somebody stood up at a, a, a Alexandria Casio cortezs rally and talked about That uh, global warming was getting so bad uh, that we only have a few months left and we need to do something and we need to eat babies. And uh, everybody got an uproar. She was a plant by the LaRouche Society to say this. I mean, she could have been just uh, somebody who was extremely disturbed. But she was trying to say something that was going to be controversial and disrupt the meeting and everything and she did and uh, although it didn't disrupt as much as you would have thought you know there was nobody speaking out against what she was saying she wasn't nobody said no no we don't want to do that that's horrible uh but they just kind of glossed over what she said and tried to go on and avoid her but uh she was actually taking uh she was kind of quoting uh a satirical uh commentary that was made during the famine in Ireland back in the 1800s it was written in England about the famine in Ireland and somebody was saying that the Irish should eat their babies and it would help alleviate the problem with famine and and it was satirical uh mocking Those people who were not helping the Irish and uh, trying to get them to help the Irish who were suffering immensely under the uh, famine, the potato famine. But the potato famine was actually playing into an economic uh, changeover because wealthy men wanted the land that the Irish lived on. And when the Irish were starving, they abandoned it. They walked the roads and tried to get to someplace where they could get work. And uh, you, you'd you find somebody along the side of the road, literally. I had relatives in Ireland at the time that uh, would have green foam around their mouth and everything because they had been eating grass. They were so hungry. They were just eating grass. And they, they just succumbed and died along the roadside. It was bad. The potato famine was bad because they had become so dependent upon the potato crop to... I mean, they grew a lot of other things, but without potatoes, there wasn't going to be enough uh, carbohydrates in their diet to sustain them. They were literally going to starve because the other crops were be eaten up really quick. And uh, so it was a bad deal when the potato famine came. Today, a lot of people are very dependent upon the foods that... uh That we're now producing and you find in the stores in abundance. But those could cut away really quick. Not so much with global warming. Global warming will actually create, you know, the planet is greener today than it was 40 years ago. And it will continue to get greener as long as the carbon dioxide increases. Carbon dioxide levels have been much, 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 much higher in the past. They're actually on the downside. Right now, carbon dioxide levels have been declining for over a century or more. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to tell. I mean, there's some studies that have been done where they take, you know, ice cores and then they know how much carbon was in the atmosphere at a particular point when that ice core was laid down. They do this like in Greenland and places where they have this ice pack building up all the time and they could tell how much carbon is in the air and it has been steadily declining and back in the 70s they were warning us that there would be an ice age and uh, because of the fact they could see this cooling taking place and fortunately we, the sun began to become very active for a period but now even the sun is beginning to die down in its activity And, that you know, I've been telling, look for signs in the sun, and the the increased activity was amazing, but now it's decreasing. That's actually more dangerous. The decrease in solar activity, the decrease in carbon in the atmosphere is causing the planet to cool. And you are actually approaching the possibility of another ice age. That it's a slow approach, but it's approach also the orbit of the Earth around the sun. You know, it's normally for our purposes in history have been has been elliptical. It will become uh, more circular uh, over a period of time, and this will cause weather changes. Most people don't understand this. They listen to news reports, and they get a bit of knowledge, and they think they understand what's going on. The reality is the increased carbon that is being released into the atmosphere is actually sparing us probably for the ice age that we were headed for. And an ice age is a lot more dangerous. Even a cooling trend, you don't have to have a full-blown ice age, a cooling trend is far more dangerous to people today because crops need warmth to grow. If, if you had way more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere and you had the supposed greenhouse effect which, which is a lot more carbon than what we now have it would expand the tropics it would uh, wheat would grow all over Canada <laughs> poles would somewhat melt although we have an increase in the poles in, in the south pole now the, the melting of the north pole would not raise the sea level because it, you know you can you can take do an experiment with ice cubes in a glass of water and tell that where the ice cubes are sticking up you think well when that ice that's sticking up melts the water will overflow well no because the ice has expanded and as the mel- it melts it will actually contract you it will not overflow but anyway all this is the problem is people don't understand everything that's going on. And there's a lot of money going to people who advocate that there's global warming. If you actually do some research, there's a lot of people, Patrick Moore and a lot of other people that are exposing. uh, Well, we know that they have fudged the data in order to get grants, they fudged the data. uh, And maybe for other reasons, I don't know. Uh, but they fudge the data. The, uh, the only climate model that has been effectively producing accurate predictions of all the countries that have these climate models, these computerized climate models is the Soviets and the, or the Russians, let's say. And the Russian model is not saying that there's going to be global warming to any great extent. that there's actually talk, among some some scientists that if we had continued with this cooling process we'd have to figure some way of releasing more carbon into the atmosphere. Because the cooling would kill far more people than global warming. The these speculations that you know, if we increase carbon by just a little bit that suddenly all life will die on the planet, we know that life on the planet has had far more carbon at different times uh, than it does today far more and actually it was some of the most prolific periods of time for life on the, on the earth so it's you know what are they talking about but you're you have made gods of cnn <laughs> or uh, all these different tv programs and news sources and you believe what they say because they say it. You And you are poked to accept their version of reality and you accept it because you have no other source of understanding. Paul in Corinthians 10 talks about another source of understanding. He talks about the spiritual rock. And we think of He's not talking about Peter. Peter is not the rock. He was called the rock, but why was he called the rock? Because he knew something, not because flesh and blood revealed it, but his Father in heaven. Every Christian should have God writing upon his heart and upon his mind. Every Christian should be Eating of the tree of life now. We have been redeemed. We can now eat of the tree of life. But you have to go back to the tree of life. And when you get close to the tree of life, there is a light that shines upon you. And the problem is you're still hiding from the truth. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, tried to decide for themselves what was right and wrong, They saw their error, they saw their sin, and they hid from it. They did not want to reveal themselves to God. They realized they did not have the ability or the authority to decide what was good and evil. They could only know what was right or wrong, what they were to do, how they were to dress and keep the planet, if they ate of the tree of life. That's the only way they could know. They, if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would be exposed. They would have a knowledge of good and evil, but they would be exposed. And, and, and the exposure would show that they were naked. They had no authority. The, now, what, what is that all, all talking about? This knowledge of good and evil. It's deciding for yourself with your own intellectual brain. Well, unfortunately, You're not as smart as you might have thought. And you can be easily swayed by the devils, the spiritual devils of the world. They can seduce you. They can bring a strong delusion. They can make you believe a lie. And this is what Peter and Paul and and the apostles all talk about. And so how do you protect yourself from that lie? How do you put on the full armor of God? Well, you have to do what the early church was doing, what Christ said to do. The modern church is not doing that. They're actually doing things more like the Pharisees. And they need to repent. They need to think differently. But in order to think differently, you have to be willing to admit that the way you're thinking now, Is not correct. That you have are, that you are under a strong delusion, that you've been deceived and the, your understanding of the gospel is not accurate. Now how can you do that? That, that will take a humble heart. Do you have that humble heart? Can you find that humble heart? To take a look at what you're doing and realize that's not what Christ said to do. It's not according to the doctrines, the teachings of Jesus. The church is established by Jesus to promote his doctrines. His ordinances. And his way of doing things his way of taking care of the needy of society was entirely entirely by faith open and charity and in 1 corinthians 10 paul makes that very clear yet i know thousands of people all across the world are reading that scripture and not getting it they they don't apply it to their actual life practices. Because they are actually engaged in covetous practices. To men who call themselves benefactors. But exercise authority one over the other. They are actually taking a bite out of one another. To obtain the wages of unrighteousness. Which the Bible tells us. We should not desire the wages of unrighteousness. What are the wages? Benefits. That come to us because we have taken from our neighbor. We have forced our neighbor to contribute to our welfare. Or worse yet, we have borrowed money against the future of our children and our children's children to obtain benefits today. We have put our children born in debt, born in bondage. Israel, when it was in bondage, it went into bondage because it did not have enough food to sustain itself during a catastrophic famine due to weather change. (laughs) History repeats itself. The crops failed. The grass didn't grow for whatever reason. And they they were dying from lack of food. They needed to go to Egypt to buy grain and Egypt had grain because they had listened to a prophet called Joseph. And so they had to go into bondage. They sold themselves, their land, everything so that they could obtain grain from Egypt and they were now in the bondage of Egypt. 20% of their labor now belonged to the pharaoh. They had to give that labor to the pharaoh. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, so we have gone back to the bondage of Egypt. We've returned to Egypt. More than 20% of our labor belongs to the government. To take care of the needy of society because we were not taking care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. We were not practicing pure religion. That's what pure religion is. It's to take care of the needy of your society unspotted by the constitutional orders and systems of the government of the world that use force to take care of their needy. They force the contributions of the people. John the Baptist said, no, you don't use force. You do it through charity. If you have extra, you share. And, of course, you need a system to do that through that is effective and uh, can be pervasive over the borders of other countries and over the limitations of distance and what have you. And, of course, we see the first century church doing exactly that during those famines, those dursts in the land, that they were sending aid to other Christians in other parts of the world And, assumedly, some of that aid was shared with people round about those people, because that's something else we're supposed to do. But we took care of our own, of course, first. And we had a network to do it. The union and discipline of that network is phenomenal. Now, you know, the recordings that I had done originally on the first nine chapters, now I'll probably put up double recordings on uh, one through four eventually when they... So there'll be extra recordings and you can, you can do a comparison. Did I change the story any between, uh, 2015 and 2019? Did I add something extra? I probably added something extra because I'm always learning as well. But you, you can do the comparison yourself once they're all up. But, what happened was I, I did these recordings and the numerous people were saying they were going to help out in editing the recordings and putting the music on and everything and putting them up. Because we do our own recording here in the studio. And we usually use that recording because it's cleaner. It doesn't go over the phone lines. And uh, they never did it. Uh, they got some done, but they didn't finish the others, so they never got uploaded. As far as I know, they haven't because they weren't on the pages anyway. Somehow, somebody dropped the ball. And uh, so now I've I found those when I was cleaning up things, and uh, we're going to upload those rather than redo them all. Although we have redone some of them, and uh, you you can go through Corinthians and find out what Paul's really talking about, because their churches were not just buildings on the street corner where you went all dressed up on Sunday or Sabbath and sing songs. That wasn't going to church. You didn't go to church. That's not, that's not what the word church means. The church is the called out. The apostles were called out. The ministers of the church in the wilderness and the ministers of the church established by Jesus Christ were called out. The church was people that were called out to serve everybody. All the people, and Christ put extra restrictions on those He called out. That He didn't put on everybody else. It was, you know, that they, they had to sell all their property and own all things common. Just like the Levites sold all their property. They had property, but they held it in common. So, because they were the social welfare system of the Jews, of the, of the Israelites. And their social welfare system was really in in the hands of the people because the people were tied to the minister they saw doing the job. They didn't have any taxes they they weren't taxed twenty percent on their labor you know or or ten percent on their land or whatever it is i mean what do you, what are you paying in property tax? In Israel they own the land. Early America, many people owned their land. It was not taxed. It could not be taxed because they actually owned the land. They owned their labor. You couldn't put income tax. They tried to impose an income tax early on way back, and it was ruled unconstitutional because the government had no right to tax the use of a man's labor because he owned his labor. That's all changed. And we explain how that's all changed. And some people think that, oh, we're trying to do some sort of patriot-sovereign thing. No, we're just telling you you're in the bondage of Egypt. It's worse with you than it was in Egypt. But you're in the bondage of Egypt and you're cursing your children every day because you can't pay for all the benefits that you want from the government. So you're borrowing money against the future. You see it every year in the news. They're raising the debt ceiling. What, what do you think that has to do with the Bible? You're not supposed to be in debt. You're supposed to be keeping the Sabbath, working first and then getting your benefit from the work you've already done. Not getting benefits today for so that you have to pay for them tomorrow and putting yourself in the debt. All you people counting days to keep the Sabbath and you're not understanding that, you're ignorant of what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is not counting days. Yeah, it, it warns you in the Bible. I mean the the apostles talk about that. You know, this counting of days and months. You you worry them when you do that. Because you're unmooring the principle, the precept from the practice. You're counting days, but you're going deeper and deeper into debt. And you're going to put your children deeper and deeper into debt. And your neighbor's children, even if you don't have children, your neighbor's children are getting deeper and deeper into debt. Do you have a daily ministration that takes care of all the social welfare of the people that you are assembling with in free assemblies? No. Almost nobody does. The Amish kind of do. And God bless the Amish. But they have some other problems, but that we all have problems. We all have to deal with those problems. But the modern Christian is not dealing with the fact that he is ignorant of the way. He is not following the way. So, I'm not going to go through a big uh, uh, look at uh, 9 before we start into 10, 1 Corinthians 10. But I noticed that the heading on the page, because I don't even have my footnotes on that page yet. I'll have to go through and do that. I may even do new recordings. But I will add the old recordings within the next week, hopefully, if I get enough time. But it's entitled, Eating of the Altar. Eating of what altar? Are you eating of the altar of devils? Are you eating of the altar of uh, the uh, idolaters? Or are you eating of the altar of Christ? We are we're to have an altar. Christ inferred that we should have an altar, and the New Testament certainly reiterates that. And the fact is, though, that we are to be living stones of that altar, forming a temple in which the Holy Ghost may reside. Individually, you are temples. Each of you are to be living stones of a bigger temple, a body, which is the body of Christ. And when you have thousands of people that are actually doing what Christ said, taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, living by the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And I expanded that. If you, if you look up just even the word blood now, you will see the article on flesh and blood. Eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ. If you don't have a welfare system, if your communion is not a daily ministration, a welfare system to take care of all the needy of your society, you're not eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ. If you're just getting a wafer on your tongue and not even getting the wine, the priest gets all the wine. (laughs) Even if you got the wine. Or grape juice. You're not eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ. You have to have the daily ministration that's taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. Or you're not engaging in the communion of the early church. Because it's very clear that that's what their communion was. And, you know, so anyway, I've put more links in for that so that you can go and study that. And we'll hopefully we'll get more audios on that so we can go through and verbally explain it to you. But we can actually start in First Corinthians ten. It's it's not very long. As a matter of fact, I noticed my footnotes aren't nearly as pervasive, although I've got some interesting footnotes to c- try to bring this back into perspective. After he talked about altars in eating of altars. He continues that same topic and another this is the way he often did things, is that he would say it one way and even find this in the Old Testament, and then they say the same thing from another point of view. And so they're kind of walking around the elephant, so you can take a look at which one, you know, from different angles, so that you can start figuring out what is what. A subheading under, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 is the power of government. And he talks about his position in the government of God, because the government of God is a government. You know, if I say government, you think of somebody who exercises authority and makes laws and tells you what to do and all that stuff. But that's not the only kind of government. There are all kinds of governments. When I was on CNN uh, International, the, and the videos are up on our website, you know, it was one of the first questions they asked, is, uh, and they tried to ask it so that they didn't get their voice on and I would just answer. But I, I jumped them before they were finished talking and started my answer. <laughs> so they, she said she'd never get her voice on the, you'd never hear her voice. Well, Uh, I proved her wrong. We got her voice on because they weren't going to pass up my response. You'll just have to go look up the video to find the response. But there's all kinds of governments. I love government. But there's all kinds of governments. There's the government of Satan. The government of the benefactors who exercise authority. The men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. And then there is the government of God. And the government of God, you're a free soul under God a free soul under God. This is very important because we're going to look at that what that means, being a free soul under God. Actually, I've started working on Genesis because I think we're going to have to go back. You know, I love to do Galatians next, but I don't know. I there's only a limited amount of time in this world and I think it's going to be important to go, so I've started doing a whole study. I actually took a course with the Hillsdale College on Genesis just to see what they had to say. And after listening to their professor, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's a real need to look at Genesis again. (laughs) Because these guys are missing it. Very nice guy, you know, very astute in some things. Knows Hebrew better than me, probably, as far as the classical Hebrew as it's taught today. But uh, he's missing the real essence of Genesis. So we may have to go back and start at the beginning. Go back to the beginning and start again. But this this government of God operates much differently than the government of the world. But you want to bring into your daily ministration the spiritual rock, this the the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when it's writing on your hearts and on your minds, that's you eating of the tree of life. That's what you're doing. That The symbol of the tree of life and the symbol of the Holy Spirit are talking about the same thing. They're just different metaphors talking about the same thing. So in order to effectively operate in the kingdom of God according to the way of Christ, you have to be that spiritual rock. You have to be eating of the tree of life. He says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Paul talks about this in a number of places where he has a right to eat of the altar. You know, even if you go back to verse 12, it says, If others be partakers of this power, this power of government, over you, Are not we rather, nevertheless we have not used the power, again you see that word power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Hinder it where? Hinder it in you. And then he goes on to say, do you not know that they which minister? That word power that you see in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about the power they have, but Suffer all things. They don't, they don't exercise authority. They have the power, but they don't exercise authority. Because they don't want to hinder the gospel, the good news of Christ in you. That word power there is the same one you see in Romans 13. You know, let every man be subject to the higher power. It's the same word. And But they translate it government in some Bibles. Let men remain, remain subject to the higher governmental power, higher authority. Because all government is... But it's actually the same word. So why don't we put government there? Have others partakers of this government over you, are not we rather nevertheless we have not used... This government over you, but suffer all things in other words, we don't make you contribute. we don't force you to contribute in this government of God. See he just said all governments you know let every man be subject to the government because all government is of God, and anyone who opposes government opposes god and here's Paul's talking about them being the government. <laughs> If we're going to translate that word government, because it's the same word in both places. The altars of Christ, the altars of Moses were filled with free will offerings that could be redistributed to the people by those people called out to serve the congregation, the free assemblies of the people. But people ended up going and contracting with other Men who've said that they would be your benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. In verse 16, he goes on to say, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Unfortunately, many modern preachers are not preaching this gospel of faith, hope, and charity. They're saying, oh, go for your reward to the men who exercise authority, but just come to church and we'll make you feel good about it. The good about the covetous practices. And the good about exercising authority over your neighbor, taking a bite out of your neighbor. We'll make you feel good about that. Because we'll tell you that you're saved already. Because you said, Jesus. Not so. He goes in verse 18, What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power. Same word again, that they translate government or an authority in the gospel. Because he is an ambassador of the gospel, an ambassador of the kingdom of God. The kingdom was appointed to the apostles. But they were told not to exercise authority one over the other like the Gentiles do, the other nations. The modern Christians are now the other nations. They're doing it like the other nations do. They're taking care of one another. All the problems you see today, you know, Trump and the Democrats and the Republicans and, and making wars and, and economies, all this comes from the fact that the Christians, all those people claiming to be Christians are not doing what the early church did. They're doing what the Pharisees were doing at the time of the, of Christ. They're making the Word of God to none effect with their sacrifices, because their sacrifices are compelled sacrifices. Even borrowing money against the future now. I don't think they were doing a great deal of that at the time. They were in Rome, but they weren't yet in Judea, but I think eventually they started doing that in Judea, and uh, they got themselves into a lot more trouble. But if we go now to 1 Corinthians 10, and we can get a little ways in this before the break, and then we'll try to finish it up today. So verse, 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 moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. And the word ignorant there is a word that means lack understanding. It's actually the word understanding with the negative uh in front of it in the Greek. So I, I don't want you to lack understanding. He knows you know the history of Israel. But you're ignorant of the meaning of that history. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Spiritual meat. So what is that spiritual meat? What What is the cloud? Remember the Israelites were following this thing that looked like a cloud. Uh, in the daytime, but looked like a pillar of fire at night. So whatever it was, it was floating up there and it glowed at night and it looked, they, when they say looked like a cloud, I mean, what would you, how would you describe something that was up in the air that they were following? What was that all about? Well, that's another whole story. But he's talking about that period of time when they were leaving the bondage of Egypt where 20% of their labor belonged to the government. And they were going to go out and sacrifice in the wilderness. And what was the sacrifices that they were sacrificing back in Egypt? Again, that was the 20% of their sweat and toil and blood. Their labor was going to the government. And the burdens got so great through crafts of state. That's one translation. That the people were actually aborting their children. That's what they're saying. It was casting out their brephos, their fetuses. They're actually aborting their children because to have children was so difficult and expensive. People were casting out their children. Well, we're doing that again today and we're in bondage worse than Egypt and we're probably killing way more children per day than we were when we were in the bondage of Egypt. But Moses was timely generated. They didn't abort Moses. He went full term. But then they had to hide him. Otherwise, there would have been a severe tax on him. And... uh, because he would owe, you would owe 20% for him too, even though he couldn't do any work. So, you know, which is part of those crafts of state. Because there were just getting to be too many Israelites. And so they wanted to create a situation where people were forced to abort their children and get rid of their children. So anyway, that, that was happening then, and it's happening now. Because you've gone that way. You've gone down that road. You're not following the way of Christ. You're not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. You know, I mean, you you go to these churches and they say, Yeah, we live by faith. Except we take all our benefits, all our elderly, all our sick, all our unhealthy, all our people that are on welfare. They're actually getting the wages of men who exercise authority, which is what the Bible calls the wages of unrighteousness. Because they're forcing the sacrifices. They're taking a bite out of one another and they're barring against the future of their children. Cursing children. I mean, it's just, it's just right there in the text. Why can't you see it? Because you're ignorant. You lack understanding. Paul's talking about it. So what's spiritual meats? What what other meats could you be eating of? Well, we'll talk about that before we're done. But put a little place marker there so we can look at that later. What's the difference between spiritual meat, I'll give you a hint, and deceitful meat? And he goes in verse 4, And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So now he's going back and he's talking about this rock, this spiritual rock that they followed. And he says, was Christ way back then at that time. And he talks about spiritual meat, but he says they were overthrown in the wilderness. Overthrown by what? What were they overthrown by? Well, in verse 6, he says, now these things were our examples. To the intent we would not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written... The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. What is he talking about? He's talking about the golden calf. And I've got a link over there on this side there I think somewhere to the golden calf. If I don't, I'll have it there before the end of the day. (laughs) Oh yeah, over in questions you'll find a link there. But what they did, this is when they created the golden calf. Most of the people, they know that there was a golden calf in the Old Testament. And they have a, you know, Cecil B. DeMille view of the golden calf because he, he dressed it up with You know, a lot of young girls dancing around and and a golden calf and all this stuff. But really, the instrumentality of that golden calf, and we explained it in the article on golden calf, was the central bank where people took their wealth and deposited it in this bank instead of keeping it in their purse. Because that's eventually what Moses said, that no, you have to keep it in your purse. He actually made them eat that golden calf. (laughs) So, understanding... What they were doing will show you that you're doing the same thing today. You've already done it. It's gone. And now you need to change and repent. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we were in verse sixes and 7 there. Uh, 6 and 7. And in verse 7 it says, Neither be ye idolaters. As were some of them as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So the eating and drinking is like a feast, like a, a festival, like, uh, like welfare. You know, they, they had this free bread and they had this problem in the early church too as well when they came in and said, don't you have homes of your own? because everybody was sharing everybody was coming and it was a regular potluck on a regular basis and they thought this was not good because there were people that were eating you know I always remember we had potlucks out here on a pretty regular basis uh, once a week and some people would come and some people would bring a bag of potato chips <laughs> and they would sit there and eat a three four course meal, meal with two desserts <laughs> So they thought they had brought their share because they brought a bag of potato chip, And, you know, you could see that taking place and nobody really complained about it. But the reality was is that it's very easy to fall into a dependence on everybody else when a lot of givers get together. Uh, and we see this with people who start like... uh um, feeding the homeless or feeding uh you know like uh giving free meals away sharing a food kitchen kind of situation or helping out the widows that that a church is supposedly doing this but it ends up falling on just one or two families that end up doing all the work and uh, other people just don't show up You know, like with the recordings, that they were going to... All these people were volunteering, and they started doing it, but they did not continue. Very important to continue and make that commitment. Because if God does not continue to feed you, you know, the spiritual meat, what happens to you? You begin to backslide. You begin to not understand anymore. You lose sight. You have to constantly be giving away to others, time, energy, you know, whatever God puts on your heart to give. That's up to you. But you have to be in that process. If your heart stops beating for a day, you're dead. An hour, you're dead. Five minutes, you're dead. You have, you have to beat like your heart in the ways of Christ. So you have to, you you know, Christianity is not a once a week event. It's a daily ministration. You have to daily participate in that practice. And God will bless you according to His way. Not, not necessarily going to get you a new car, but He will bless you. So, When I mention neither be idolaters, what do you think that means? You know, you're making wooden statues and falling down and worshipping them and lighting candles to them. You think, wow, that's an idolater. Well, it's a live link on the page at preparingyou.com. And it'll take you to an article, Seeking Answers. These idols... Of old, like the golden calf, were not just superstitious mumbo-jumbo, but paganism with a purpose. The statues were sometimes more than symbols for systems created by the hand of men. Remember, an idol is something made by the hand of men. Well, the Constitution was established by the hand of men. They put their hand to it, wrote it out, and signed it. Established by the hand of men. But it's a symbol. We still have original copies. And, you know, it's a symbol of the system. Not like anybody pays attention to it anymore. (laughs) I was just talking to my son last night and explaining to him, you know, they have this um, impeachment of Trump going on right now when I'm making this recording. Uh, But it's not an impeachment of Trump. They're using the word impeachment. They're having hearings and they're calling them impeachment hearings. But nobody has actually impeached Trump. In order to do that, you would have to have a vote on the congressional floor. Now, they probably have the votes because they have enough Democrats in there because all the people have been voting Democrat for so long uh, because they want more and more stuff at the expense of their neighbor. And that's why you vote for a Democrat. And uh, so... But in order to have impeachment, you have to have a vote on the floor. And if that vote passes and they go to articles of impeachment, then they have to have this... Now, suddenly, the legislature's not legislating anymore. Now it's a court. It's having a court to impeach the president. Very important thing. Well, what happens is that the minority party now has the power of subpoena. (laughs) That means... They can bring witnesses in to discuss anything that the Democrats wanted to discuss concerning impeachment. They can even bring in stuff they don't want to discuss. And there's a lot of people they could be bringing in as witnesses, and they don't want that. (laughs) So, But, you know, your average guy on the street, he doesn't read the rules. He doesn't even know what the Constitution says. He may call himself a constitutionalist, but he doesn't understand it. The same is that people call themselves Christians and they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand the New Testament. They don't understand what Christ was actually doing. He was taking the kingdom away from the Pharisees. As the king, he appointed it to the apostles who operated a different form of exousia. Different form of government. Different form of power. Power. They were empowering the individual and suffering the fact that I'm not going to have the money to take care of the needy unless you give it to me by free will choice. That's not the way the government of the world works. If they decide they need money, they just take more money. What is what is gas? And, uh, I, I know that sometimes in California they're paying as much as $5 a gallon for gas. Other places in the United States it's 2 something. But in California, it's five-something. Why? Because they decided to take more. Who does that hurt? That doesn't hurt the rich. That hurts the poor. (laughs) They suddenly can't take the car anywhere because it's going to cost them 20 bucks, 50 bucks to fill the gas tank. So, but that's what they do because that's the kind of government that is. That's not the kind of government that God established. God established a government of faith, hope, and charity. Not force, fear, and violence. So anyway, idolaters are those who set up these systems with their own hands that turn the people into slaves and subjects. doesn't free people. It brings them back into bondage. And they do it by creating these systems by the hand of men. That's why you're not supposed to take oaths, swear or not. Christ says it. Uh, The Ten Commandments says that you're not to make covenants with these other gods, these other ruling judges who exercise authority one over the other. These men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You're not supposed to be making covenants with them to get those benefits at the expense of your neighbor. It will alter you. It will change you. But if you go the other way, where you start to do this by faith, hope, and charity, and you can't hardly do it unless you sit down in the tens, under the hundreds and thousands, like Christ commanded, that will alter you too. It will awaken the spiritual rock within you. It will give you access to the tree of life, from which you can then eat. But I tell you, to get close to the tree of life, you have to see yourself as you really are. You have to see you're naked. You have to see you're failing. You have to see your sin. Adam hid from it. Tried to blame it on God and the woman. You know, that's not the way it works. It's your fault. Out of the private imagination of men, they create these systems. And then they bow down to those systems. And serve those systems, which Paul will talk about. To make yourself subject to the system is idolatry. Anyway, I, I have a quote on that page from the book, of Covenants of the Gods. Now, I'm being rational with you. A lot of people may not think it's rational because they don't want to see the truth. And I'm explaining things and I'm quoting things. But really, none of that has anything to do with the spiritual rock. spiritual rock is that internal revelation. That it comes from God. And I intimated way back the very first thing I wrote in the book, The Covenants of the Gods. I think it's in the foreword. It says, this book is the beginning. It is not intended to supply an answer. And then I have the quote, and the king shall answer. In other words, Christ will answer in your heart and in your minds. The quotes are not to edify an authority in your mind. Oh, that's what it does. Because the use of the quotes in that book, you'll see an altering between prose and and quotes and even poetry. Because I'm going back and forth. You actually read one with the left side of your mind and the other with the right side of your mind. And so I'm actually making you, as you read the book, go back and forth between those two sides of your mind. The quotes are not to edify an authority in your mind. They're actually there to awaken you. To awaken something in your brain. Little children. Let no man deceive you. That's another quote. See I'm doing it here even. Prose and then quote. Prose and then quote. The use of logic is not to lead you. Another quote. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Back to prose. Any teaching of established doctrines of men is impugned. Another quote. Lest in Vain we teach for doctrines the commandments of men. Go back to prose. Any advice that is taken from these writings was not intended. (laughs) I'm not trying to give you advice. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your mind. And that is that spiritual rock that is revealing the truth to you. I'm just bearing witness. Go back to another quote. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for the name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. That's Psalms 143. And there's more. You can go read the book. It's free online. You can order it. You can do whatever you want. Because I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by me. But if we go back to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10. We can see in verse 8 it says, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. That fornication is national fornication. By eating of the table of this golden calf, this, this system of force where everybody had to take their wealth and they put it into a common purse. There's I should put some more links in there to the common purse articles, which we see in coming out of Proverbs, because that common purse runs towards death. That's fornication. It's a different system. You're involving yourself, in and you're not you're not sitting down with the bride of Christ. You're sitting down with the bride of devils. Verse nine. Neither let us tempt Christ. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Now that, he's talking about in the days of Moses and there's, there's some symbolism with that but they had this problem with serpents coming and biting all the people and they had to do something about that. And, uh, and and Moses did something with his staff, and we don't really understand that the same as we don't understand. How did he grind up golden calf, turn it into a powder, and make the people eat it? I mean, how do you do that? Because you, grind, gold doesn't grind up into a white powder, although you can make a white powder from gold. But anyway, that's another story. That may be campfire talk around the feasts. <laughs> but you won't hear that unless you're part of the living network. And start coming where we can tell you the rest of the story. Right now, I want you to get the basics of the story. Wherefore, let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. I'll, I, I'm going to go back here. This admi- admonition where they talk about uh in verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them. For an end sample. And they are written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world. And that word world there is age. The end of an age. Are come. So they could see the end of the age of the Roman Empire. And, and they could see that coming. That it was going to fall. It was in this process of decay by the time Paul's up there. I mean they're already having these dirts And they're... they're I mean, almost right out of the box, they were having trouble with who's going to be the next emperor because they created this office of power and everybody was trying to seek that power. That's what you see going on today in the United States and in the Ukraine and a lot of other countries all over the world. But the United States is kind of the top dog in this leading the way to destruction. Everybody's vying for power and Trump got in instead of the people they wanted to get in and they were really surprised. So now they're trying to have this coup and get rid of Trump. I don't believe that Trump is your salvation, but it's an interesting phenomenon that he's gotten into place. I believe your salvation is Christ and the kingdom of God. And unless you repent, think differently and start operating according to the kingdom of God, all the stuff that you see Trump doing will be undone in a night. It it will all just go away. Because the evil is here already. The massive numbers of people that want to take a bite. I mean the savages are running loose. The zombie apocalypse is upon us. It's already here. And these people are not going to change their mind easily. They're going to go through a lot and take you with a lot of hell before things get straightened out. But you can't do anything about the rest of the world, but you can do something about the way you've been thinking and living. And that's how you're going to need the full armor of God to have immunity from the craziness that is going on today. Because we're history is repeating itself. And the, we're, we need to change the way in which we are interacting and relating with one another. So in verse 12 it said, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's a warning phrase. And, and I have a link over there on the side to article about how many times. And, and we're going to also see this, uh, in, um, in chapter 11. This warning that we need to pay Attention to, because a lot of people think they're Christians, and Christ warned us: many shall say, you know, that they've come in my name and say, "Lord, Lord," and they they think they're Christians. But he says, "Get ye from me, workers of iniquity." Why? Because they're not living by faith, open charity. They're living by force, fear, and violence. But they're pretending faith, open charity because they go to church and get a good feeling. Not enough. Not the way. It's contrary to the way. I mean, the Pharisees went to the synagogue and they got a good feeling. But they were, you know, the corbin of the people was now forced under Herod's scheme of international social welfare. So, in verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So this is not a new thing. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be also to bear it. And that is what the gospel, but if you're not going to do what Christ said, you're not going to escape. You know, if you're not going to follow his way, you're not going to escape. You're not going to get away. So, all these gurus out there telling you, oh no, know, you just fill out this and you do this and, you know, and, and no. Yeah, I've people, we have a whole list of these gurus not to follow. Follow Christ. But in order to follow Christ, you have to have this relationship with Christ. And this relationship with Christ will help you first, will help you begin to see the fornication and idolatry of the world. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee that from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. And again, what is that idolatry? That's another live link that you can go and and read more about. You know, what the golden calf was. It's that you know on that idolatry page, right underneath the quote. Uh, From Psalms 143, I go into, We must be led by the tree of life, which is the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit of God and not by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If we seek to strive and persevere, uh, persevere in walking in the way of Jesus, the Christ, according to the character of His name, he will show mercy and grace. We have to strive to walk that way. I know you can't just jump over into the kingdom. You, you know, there is a, uh, there is a transition period. We must forgive to be forgiven. We must give to be given too. This is why I say that you, you can't start down this road and then say, oh, I got busy and forgot all about you know gathering together yeah I could have contributed a little bit then but I was you know I wanted to buy this new boat you know (laughs) know? I mean you got all these excuses don't don't go that way folks bad way to go Jesus had the same problem oh I got to go bury my father I'm with you Jesus but first I got to go do this no we must serve to be served If we want God to serve us, we must serve others. God doesn't need our help. We need to help one another so that he can help us. We need to forgive one another so that he can forgive us. We must bless one another so that he may bless us. That's the way it works. It's built in to the system. He wants to help you. But your selfishness is your unwillingness to forgive your son, your daughter, your brother, your mother, your husband, your wife. Your unwillingness to forgive the Democrats, the Republicans. That's what I see so much going on today is this hate. You know, everybody wants to hate, you know, the the opponent. They hate Trump. They hate the Democrats. They hate this. You know, I mean, even... You know, I saw a news article about Mark Hamill who's on Twitter and he saw, uh, was Ivanka Trump, um, the daughter of President Trump. I guess she's not Trump anymore. She's married to somebody else. Uh, but anyway, she was with her kids getting ready for Halloween and one of her kids was dressed up like a stormtrooper. I think he had a lightsaber or something. And, uh, she said, the force is strong in my family. You know, Twitter little short statements and Mark Hamill who will be in the movies just went ballistic and started saying all kinds of using bad language and everything like cussing out the kid you know like you know people were saying chill out Mark it's just a kid it's just Halloween costume you know but he he was just clearly very angry and of course evidently he forgot the script (laughs) that anger draws you into the dark side. And that's actually what we see. We see the whole of society. So angry now. So upset. Yelling all kinds of things that just aren't true. At each other. And about this this party or this person or this individual. It's drawing you into the dark side. It's drawing you into this other realm. This idolatrous realm. Where you will not be able to see the truth. If you bring in the Holy Spirit in, and I was explaining this to somebody who has to deal with evil out there in the world on a daily basis, that and people are lying and deceiving and stinking around. You know, they they asked last night, "Why does it always have to be such a battle?" And I says, "It's always been a battle. In the old days they used swords and axes, spears and bows, arrows <laughs> of outrageous fortune to kill you, physically kill you." Now we have politics and a lot of snaking around and deceit and abuse and using these rules, you know, uh, like the, like the Democrats who don't want to actually have the correct formal impeachment hearing because they will give subpoena power to their opponents and they will start to expose what's been going on on their side. They don't want that. They want to keep the narrative hate, 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 hate on, you know, so that they can get, at least to the election, hoping to get more people elected. And I don't know, maybe it go that way. I pray people start to wake up. But, this hate and anger, leave that to God, and that's kinda of what we were talking about when we were reading Corinthians 9, is that God will do the battle you need to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't have to be trying to force other people into righteousness. Very important to understand that. So, anyway, if we go down to... Let's see, we were in... uh, Verse 13, let's see, 14. Wherefore, yeah, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. In 15, I speak as... To wise men. Judge. Ye. What I say. He's talking to you. As if you actually understand. I hope you do understand. But he says. The cup of blessing. Which we bless. Is it not. The communion. Of the blood of Christ. We need to understand that. And we'll explain that. When we come back. Are you eating. The flesh and blood of Christ. Are you eating. The flesh and blood. Of each other. That is a. Key question. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, are you eating the blood and flesh, or the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, or are you eating the blood of your neighbor? Are you eating the blood, you know, like the lady was saying, we mentioned that in the news where she brought up at an Ocasio-Cortez press conference or whatever it was, I guess it was a town hall meeting kind of, she brought up that we need to start eating babies, you know, because of global warming. Now, she was just trying to get, you know, press and get noticed and get, you know, disrupt the meeting and get a camera shot and all that kind of stuff to create uh confusion and all this stuff. But the reality is you are eating your babies when you're running the country farther and farther in debt, demanding more and more benefits at the expense of your neighbor, and the government is borrowing money in order to provide these benefits, you're eating the flesh and blood of your children and your unborn children. I mean, we you also see it taking place with abortion, where they're using fetal parts uh to make products and to create vaccines... And to do all kinds of strange and bizarre medical practices. And they're aborting, killing fetuses in order to mine the wounds of your daughters. That's what you're doing. Now, I say that and I know some people are going to think, oh, they're going to look at abortion as terrible. And they're going to think they're better because, with a certain amount of self-righteousness because they don't commit abortion. But if they're still eating of the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority, if they're still praying to the fathers of the earth, they're drinking the blood and eating the flesh of their children, even those yet unborn. Because they're going to have to sweat and toil and grind their bones to pay that debt. You curse your children with your covetous practices. And you need to stop. You need to do something different. And so anyway, that that's what we need to awaken to. And we need to have a humble heart in order to see that. And you need to turn around and think a different way. That's That's simply what we need to do. And a lot of people have not done that. And a lot of preachers are not preaching that. And they need to change and turn around and go the other way. They they need to be like the early Christians who were taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And that will alter you. It will start to change you back into the image of God. And back into the ways of God instead of the ways of idols and devils. Which is what people are doing now. And they need to change. They need to think differently. They need to repent. They have great need of repentance. And turning around and and going that other way. So anyway, if we're going to continue this and get to the end of 1 Corinthians 10. I need to move along here pretty quickly. And I... I went to the break and I changed a couple of things that evidently I didn't have quite right. But that idea of the cup of blessing, which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the blood of Christ is freely given. And the communion of the church must be freely given. And the communion of the church is not a crumb of bread, but actually a daily ministration that takes care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. You cannot eat of the table of Christ and the table of devils. Your religion becomes spotted. It's not unspotted. It's not pure religion. The bread which we break, divide from house to house. We... Rightly divide the bread from house to house. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Yes. That bread is. The church doesn't have that bread. They just hand you a crumb and make you think that you've received the body of Christ. No. You have unmoored the ritual from the righteousness. You need to repent and go back to the righteousness. For we being many are one bread. We're the bread. We're the blood. We're the flesh and blood that we share. What When we lay down our life in the form of a contribution to take care of the needy of society to faith, hope, and charity, we are entering into the communion of the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread. And we're dividing our hearts with others so that we may have hearts more abundant and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread behold Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar the Levites could eat of the altar. That if they're working full time to take care of the needy of society, they don't have time to go out and make a living. Uh, Paul made tents. He didn't just sit there and sew them himself. He was probably in a big industrial way making tents. And that financed a great deal of what Paul was doing so that Paul did not have to eat at the altar. He could, but he did not have to. We do the same here. We have no salaries. Nobody's getting wage. Now, the other preachers, they're getting rich. And, and Paul talks about that. But that's not our goal. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice. And what do they Sacrifice. It's the forced contributions of the Gentiles, the men who exercise authority, making them contribute so that no contribution is left behind. (laughs) They sacrifice to devils, to those who are the adversaries of Christ. Christ is is an adversary of charity. Socialism is an adversary of force. But until John the Baptist, everybody wanted to do it by force, but John the Baptist said, no, do it by charity. They, that is the sacrifice of devils to do it by force. And not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You've got that now. You go to church, sing your songs, make yourself feel good. But you actually have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You are doing that. As a matter of fact, you hardly even have tea leaves in the bottom of your Christian cup. A little token charity here and there. Go into your church. Find out how much money everybody in your congregation receives every week, every month, every year. And then ask yourself how much you guys give out in charity every month, every every week, every month, every year. You just go down and find out how many people are getting food stamps, how many people are getting welfare, how many people are getting Medicare, Medicaid, how many people are getting Social Security. Add up all the figures. Add up the amounts of all the benefits that they get, the value of all the benefits they get from men who exercise authority. School tuition. How much? Add that in there too because that's from the benefactors who exercise authority. This is not free education. It costs somebody. Add that all up. and then look at how much you give to charity. Whoa, whoa, you're that's the the difference between those numbers is the ratio of the distance you are from Christ. That's why you're workers of iniquity. Do we provoke the Lord jealousy? Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? By eating of the table of devils? If you're going to be partakers of the Lord, that's where you're. That's where you need to be going in your church. Is working towards that. All things are lawful for me, Paul says, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things. Edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Everybody's trying to get rich. You should be gathering to help each other get rich. If you want to be wealthy, you have to equally desire that your neighbor be wealthy. Can you imagine if we had 144,000 congregations that were thinking that way? What would you have? You would have the kingdom of God. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. You have to care about your neighbor being wealthy, you know, well off. You don't want him to be affluently wealthy, that he becomes self-indulgent. But you want him to be wealthy so that he can take care of the needy of society. And take care of his family. And not be a burden to anybody you won't have to go get student loans from the government. You can help each other if you need higher education or trade school or you need to pay for that. Everybody will be able to go because everybody is trying to make each other wealthy and stronger and more capable. You know, one of the ministers was talking about that they were going to make a list of all the skills within their congregation. And all the congregations should do that so that we know, well, we need a dentist, we need a doctor, we need... uh, we need uh, a nuclear physicist. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you need. But you know where we could find them in the network. Maybe you just want to ask a question, some advice. And people love to help each other out that way. He goes on to say, Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat. Asking no question for the conscience sake. Now, sold in the shambles. What is that? The shambles is where they cut up meat. There were sacrifices the sacrifices that went, a lot of times they would cut them up if they had a sacrifice, even and according to uh, Muslim law and the Koran. Before you ate anything of that sacrifice, they ate their sacrifices just like at Pentecost. Before you ate any of it, you had to cut up meat and distribute it to the poor before you ate any of the meat of that sacrifice. Well, the shambles was what the priests could offer and they could sell it Turn that meat into funds to buy other things. Well, that was called the shambles, that, that meat cutting place. Or at least that's the way it's translated in the King James. You could buy that meat and it's okay. It was sacrificed to idols and you could buy that. He's saying you could buy that for conscience sake. He's, you're not taking it for free. You're buying it. You're just buying like you buy any other commodity. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So it isn't tainted because it was sacrificed to idols. It's tainted because you take it. These four sacrifices sacrificed to idols. If any of them that believe not did bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. You know, and I've told stories about how people on welfare wanted to share the food that they had with us. And we, now I explained to them what was going on, (laughs) but we took their, they wouldn't eat the turkey they were given because they were vegetarians. But I told them they were eating meat with blood in it when they ate their vegetables because their vegetables were bought by men who were, who were benefactors who exercised authority. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. It's not that we're condemned, we're just not going to scandalize people. I don't know, I'm not going to take that. But we didn't want to see that meat go to waste, so we ate it. But we had done countless favors for this individual, so it was his way of paying us back and they wouldn't take the turkey back once they would handed it out because of health reasons and so we cooked it up and we ate it in good conscience. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be partaker, why am I, I evil spoken for which I give thanks. Wherefore, therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. Do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many That they might be saved. How are they saved? Their conscience is awakened to the tree of life. And the Holy Spirit cometh into them. In order to do that, you know, there are a lot of things you can do. You know, I talk about meditation. Showed some people our links and that we have audios on it. That's to be still. To help you be still. Because your mind is full of all kinds of garbage and you need to learn to be still. But it says, be still and know. Well, how do you know God? You have to be like Christ. You have to put on the character of Christ, the name of Christ, who came to give his life, lay down his life for his fellow man. I'm not expecting everybody to go out and get crucified, but it is required that you lay down your life in portions. You must give so that you may be given too. Now, if you're giving so that you can get a new car like the prosperity gospel, yeah, I'll give to the church and then God will bless me with a new car. That's not what you want to get from God. You don't want a new car from God. (laughs) You want the Holy Spirit coming into you and guiding in your way. So sometimes fast from that new car, fast from that new stuff, that fancy stuff... And give the money somewhere else where you think it, God is leading you to give it. Now, I can't tell you just to go throw it out the window to people on the street. You have to be wise. And that's what Paul t- talked about. that he, To be wise. We don't want to be wise in our own eyes. We want to be wise in the eyes of God. And that means we have to listen to God and do what God says. But most of you can't hear God because your mind is going a million miles an hour. With all kinds of guilt and fears and anxieties and lusts and what have you. If you're not forgiving people, you will not be at peace and you will not hear the Holy Spirit. You have to forgive so that you can be forgiven so that now you can hear God. You have to give so that God will give to you. Not give you a new car, but give you a new way in which to live. A new eyes to see with. You have to be given the eyes to see with. Now, all the things I explain, some of you will say, well, yeah, this makes so much sense. But to others, they'll say, no, I, I don't get it. No, that's not right. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. So anyway, in the side notes, I say First Corinthians 10, 1 14. He's giving you the history of the Jewish church. The church in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness was the Levites. It wasn't all it all the congregation. The the church was the called out. The Levites were called out. I mean everybody was called out, but only the Levites came out. Same way with the apostles. The apostles came out, and they took on the role of the Levites. And the early church says this. Writes Jerome. Writes it. They all write it. We have an article linked there. You can go read about the Levites. They were the church in the wilderness. The called out in the wilderness to provide the welfare of the people through faith, hope, and charity, so that they might be saved from the bondage of Egypt, and the bondage of Rome, and the bondage of Corinth, and the bondage of all these city-states that wanted to bring the people under an exercising authority, under the fathers of the earth. And he warns in these verses from 1 to 14 that you should not be too confident. The same as Jesus warned that many will think they're Christians, but they're actually workers of iniquity. And I'm going to cast them from me. They've done a lot of great things, but they haven't done the basics of what we call the righteousness of God. First Corinthians 10, 15 through 17. The test is answered in the unity of the Christian's communion, which is to be unspotted daily administration free of a, 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 idolatrous worship idolatrous worship is these other systems that operate by force fear and violence the christian communion is by faith open charity and, but you have to have this unity of Christians. In other words, you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and you stay in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and you participate daily just like the heartbeat in your chest participates daily in giving life to the whole body of your being. You cannot come and go. You've got to stay steady. Persevere, strive. These are Christ's words. First Corinthians ten eighteen to twenty two. So what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about this uh, partaking of feasts of the idolatry from authoritarian benefactors and the fathers of the earth. Who compromise the practice of pure religion because they spot your religion. Religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. Fulfilling your duty to God and your fellow man. That's what religion was. And pure religion was doing this without the aid of the benefactors and the fathers of the earth. That may take a little while to get to that point, but that's seeking the kingdom. That's how you seek the kingdom. Is you seek to take care of one another through charity and love rather than force and violence. Because right now you're doing it through force and violence. You go to, you, you show me what church is not doing it through force and violence. There should be no partaking of de- deceitful meats, what they call deceitful meats. Now, what are deceitful meats? If you go to uh, Proverbs, see what is it Proverbs 23 and it talks when thou sittest and eat with a ruler consider diligently what is before thee every time you take a benefit from government free education free school student loans any of those things you're taking benefits from men who exercise authority they don't have anything to give they're not taking money out of their pocket they're taking money out of your neighbor pocket it says whenever you sit to eat with these rulers Consider diligently what is before you. In other words, pay attention to what you're doing. And that's what I'm telling you what you're doing. And put a knife to your throat. That's what it says in Proverbs. If thou be a man given to appetite, you want these things. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich. What did Paul say? Cease from thine own Wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward the heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats, for he is, for he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he. ...to thee, but his heart is not with thee. I mean, do you think the government really loves you? When they offer you all these benefits at the expense of others? No, they seek the exosia, the power. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Speak not in the ears of fools, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. So I'm I'm sharing with you. And Proverbs goes on. It talks about removing old landmarks. These are symbols. They're telling you to eat not the dainties of men who exercise authority one over the other. That's absolutely in conformity to what Christ was saying. Because they are deceitful means. They are means that they are the wages of unrighteousness that are taken from your neighbor. And if you develop an appetite for those benefits, what does Polybius even say? It will alter you and you will become savages and that's what you see going out there in the world. They are eating their children. They are eating their children. They're eating their children that are not even yet born. Because they're plummeting them farther and farther and farther into debt. If you want to change your ways, gather with others who want to change their ways. Join us on the network. Go to preparingyou.com, hisholychurch.org. Join the network. Join the living network by becoming, free, gathering in free assemblies and start walking in the ways of Christ so that you too may eat of the Holy Spirit. God bless.